Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan DeCenzi. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Thank you always so much for being here. I am always just so honored that you're here with me week after week to dive into all of the challenges that my guests have and the topics that we cover to really help you learn how to move through and walk with all of the stuff that's been in your life that has happened that has either led to your negative belief patterns or your boundaries and excuses, the limitations, the fears, the negative stuff that cuts you off from hearing your heart's voice. And today's episode is no different because I really want to dive in a little bit more to the coaching session that I did last week with Cindy Cokey and looking at the passive-aggressive beast, right, that is kind of, I think, in a lot of ways, a part of all of our lives in one way or another. Most of us, I don't think, will act passively aggressively as a general rule, but I guarantee you that you've definitely acted in a passive-aggressive way at some point in your life over something. I think all of us as human beings do. And I think that one of the reasons why it can be so hard to tame that passive-aggressive beast is because oftentimes, like Cindy did, we're not even aware that we're doing it. We're not even aware that it's really passive-aggressive in nature. And one of the things that was such a shock for Cindy was that she didn't realize that some of her behaviors could be perceived or actually were passive-aggressive in nature. And so a lot of times living as a human being and working to express ourselves more fully is about being aware of how the other person perceives things. Now, it doesn't mean that I change who I am for that person because otherwise I'm living my life for somebody else and I'm not living my life for who I am. At the same time, though, you are not alone on this planet. And one of, one of these days soon, I will tackle the topic of feeling alone. Because the truth is, unless you're a Siamese twin, and you are connected and conjoined with someone physically, you are alone. You are born alone and you will die alone. Now, that sounds really harsh, but just play with me here for a minute. And you'll see too how this is tied to passive aggressive behaviors. Because we are on a planet with seven and a half billion people, we are never ever truly alone. We can't be, not on a planet of this size. Even people like Howard Hughes, who likened himself as a hermit and lived his life kind of in a very hermit fashion, still had contact with other people on occasion, whether it was through intercom with some of his staff members or via phone, there was still interaction. It wasn't like he lived in a cave 
and never saw another living soul or talked to another living soul for years and years and years. Even if he wrote a note, it's still communication. So the bottom line is we aren't alone, but you are a singular individual. And again, like I said, unless you are part of a conjoined twin unit, like a Siamese twin, physically connected to another human being, you are an individual soul being on your own. And so oftentimes we can feel very alone and we can feel by ourselves and like no one gets us and no one understands us. And if we grow up like Cindy did, where she was the older child of the siblings and responsible, you know, she was put in that role of being the responsible one and taking care of her younger siblings. I believe she had an older sibling, but she was the oldest girl, if I remember correctly. And forgive me, Cindy, if I have that wrong, if you listen to this replay, correct me for sure if I'm wrong. But because she was put in that role, she learned to quiet her voice. She learned just like a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed Rob Lohman, she learned how to disconnect from that part of herself that allowed her to use her voice and hear her voice and hear what was in her heart song and be able to speak that truth. And so then what happens is over time, as Cindy felt frustrated or angry or upset or hurt or betrayed, whatever the emotion might have been, because she was not feeling confident and worthy and had the belief that she could use her voice to speak her truth, she stayed silent. But it would still be brewing and breeding under the surface. And so then it would come out in very subtle ways when somebody did or said something where she might throw a little sarcastic burb out there, or she might make a comment about something that seemed ever so subtle, but was really revealing the truth of what she was feeling down deep, but not in the words that she was speaking out loud and verbally to another person. And that can absolutely be seen by others as being the very passive aggressive in nature. She's passively being aggressive, very gently, very subtly, very slowly, very calmly. And sometimes the passive-aggressive behavior is not so subtle, right? It's, it's way more direct in its nature. And so I think the biggest problem for people who engage in passive-aggressive behaviors is that they're not even usually aware, like Cindy wasn't, that they are engaging in those behaviors. So it became a shock to her when she was told this by a family member, when I mentioned it to her, and it was like, whoa, what do you mean? Because that would require then for her to take a look at herself and all of the areas of her own life where she wasn't speaking her truth or using her voice. And sometimes that is so incredibly difficult to do because, damn, we don't want to look at those pieces of ourselves. I don't want to find out I'm really a horrible human being. Now, okay, let me comment there that I don't believe any person is truly a horrible human being. And I know that's kind of a controversial statement because 
What about the people who do evil things? What about murderers who murder people? And what about people who commit horrific crimes against human beings and animals? And how can you say they're not horrible? The behaviors are horrible, but the person, something is happening inside of them that makes them believe and think it's okay. And that's the piece that I want to find out in people so that they can become aware and then learn the tools and skills that they need to potentially make a different choice. I worked in a prison for years. There wasn't a single solitary man. I worked at an adult male prison. There wasn't a single solitary man who I found to be a worthless piece of shit or an unworthy human being. Now, don't get me wrong, maybe I believed they deserved to be in prison for the rest of their natural life, and maybe it meant I would never want to invite them over for dinner, but that doesn't mean they aren't a worthy human being who brought value to the world, even in their evilness, even in their horribleness, in what they did. It taught us something. And I know that working with a lot of those men, a lot of times, to be honest with you, how things would come about would be very passive in nature when they were young, because they didn't have a voice. They maybe lived in very abusive situations and environments or very abusive family relationships where they were hit and abused and tortured and ridiculed and put down and neglected for their beliefs or their thoughts or their behaviors. And so they learned to be silent. And then how that would come about is it would show up in very aggressive ways that were way more aggressive than passive aggressive behaviors, but nonetheless, were still maybe starting out as passive aggressivity. Now, I'm not saying anybody who engages in passive aggressive behaviors is on their way to being you know, a criminal. Of course not. That would be a blanket statement that would be unfair to make and generalize to anyone. But when we feel as humans like we don't have our ability to have our voice, it absolutely will breed hurt and anger and betrayal and a whole host of other emotions that will make it difficult for us to speak our truth. And the idea is to learn how to be able to speak your truth. Whether you feel the environment is safe to do so or not, there is always a way to speak your truth. I know that there are people out there who may totally dislike me and disagree with me. I know that you may be listening to this episode for the first time. This may be your first experience of me, and you may be like, man, this chick is crazy. What is she talking about? Criminals, you know, people who have done horrible, evil things. They're pieces of shit. They deserve to be in prison forever. And you know what? I would agree with you that maybe they deserve to be in prison for their natural life. I would not agree that they're a worthless piece of shit, though. I do not believe any human on the planet is a worthless piece of shit and does not have value, whether it's what we call good value or positive value or bad or negative value. There is still things we can learn and grow and evolve from even when people commit heinous crimes 
or take heinous actions. And so when we are engaged in feeling hurt and betrayed and lost and confused and angry and sad, sometimes then we can allow those feelings to overtake us and guide our behavior, and it drowns out the voice of our heart, and it even drowns out sometimes the critical voice in our head and causes us to behave in ways that are very passive-aggressive in nature. And so a way to begin to tame that beast is to, one, take a look within at where you're not living authentically you. Are you living someone else's version of your life as opposed to your own version and vision for yourself? Are you living a life based on expectations of others, or are these really your choices? I remember a client I had, you may have heard me talk about her before, I don't recall. She was a pastor's daughter, and she truly wanted to become a teacher. But her parents wanted her to become a a doctor, and she really had no desire to be a doctor. But she was too afraid to say anything to her parents about the fact that she didn't want to be a doctor and she wanted to be a teacher because she was afraid if she told them her truth, they would be so angry and disappointed in her that they would disown her and not talk to her ever again. And that fear was so strong that it guided her decision to follow along with what they wanted her to do. And she in went to college and she began her her career, you know, her college educational career by going to medical school. But while she was in medical school, the stress was so high, she was so unhappy and so miserable that she came to see me. And over a period of months, we worked together to the point where she felt safe enough and she learned the tools and skills that she needed to know how to begin that conversation with her parents in a safe, comfortable way that allowed open dialogue and open communication and lovingness. And she was able to speak her truth and tell them, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. And you know what the end result was? They might have been a little unhappy or a little disappointed that she didn't, you know, want to become a doctor because in their mind, Their expectation and hope was that my daughter as the doctor will have a good life, will have a a comfortable life financially, will be doing good work in the world, and will be okay, right? Because we as parents want our children to be okay. We need to know that our children are going to be all right long after we're gone. And how we get that feedback is by watching them do what they do when they're teenagers, when they're young adults, if they go to college or they learn a trade, as they go out into the world and they work and have a career and hopefully, you know, find a partner and then have children and all those beautiful things, we as parents need to know that our kids are going to be okay. And that's how we see that. That's how we get evidence of that by what they do. And so in their mind, her being a teacher potentially meant more struggle and not being paid as well. And maybe that meant she'd have more financial struggle. But the end result was that they loved her and they wanted her to be happy. And they were more bothered 
by the fact that she was so miserable and truly didn't want to be a doctor and hadn't said anything than they were by the fact that she didn't want to be a doctor. They were okay with that. They're like, then go be the best damn teacher you can ever be. Now, I'm sure they didn't say damn, but I'm saying damn. They really were happy for her. And she ultimately went back to school or finished school to be a teacher, became a teacher, and was absolutely happy. She was living her truth now. She had tamed that passive-aggressive beast that had lived inside of her by simply being willing to have a conversation. But it took a while to get to that place where, one, she could, she could define her truth and where she wasn't living authentically, and then learn what she needed to learn in order to have the conversations she needed to have with whom she needed to have them with so that she could really speak that truth and take the action that would make that truth a reality for her. And so part of taming the passive-aggressive beast is learning where we're not living authentically in our own lives. And as I shared with you, I think in the welcome episode, I realized after I came back from California in early March of this year, right before COVID really hit and became a national lockdown situation, and that hit me hard too, because it was just kind of a shock as it was for, you know, I'm sure you as well. I realized where I wasn't living authentically. I wasn't following my aligned self completely. I was working so hard to be in everybody else's box. And as I've said before, I'm not a box kind of girl. And I realized that I was trying to live in their boxes and I was trying to live in a box of my own making. And what I had to do is I had to get out of my own way, out of my head, out of the fear that somehow I wouldn't have, I don't know, the right language or the right direction or the right path. And I had to trust that I would find that by living more authentically myself and more aligned. And once I did that, everything changed. I mean, literally everything changed. The podcast was formed very solidly, and all the people that I needed in my life to help me build my business and help me grow my podcast and grow my business came into my life in, in various ways. Now, some were already in my life, but they showed up in a different way. And I just had to be willing to see that. And I hadn't been before because I was spending so much time trying to get in everybody else's box. But what that caused me to do too, I'll be honest with you, is sometimes act in a potentially you know, passive-aggressive way. Little tiny comments that I might make that were very, you know, seemingly insignificant and not that important overall, but they were very passive aggressive in their nature. And I knew when I would say something that I was being passive aggressive because I am a really self-aware person and I reflect on these things on a daily, like minute by minute basis. It's just such an automatic part of my way of thinking and moving through the world. But I've also been practicing this kind of work on myself for 28 years now. 
since that day, 28 years ago, when I almost made the decision to end my life. And so I'm not saying it's going to take you 28 years. Of course not. And I would hate for it to scare you into thinking that, oh my God, this this learning stuff about myself and this self-awareness stuff, this shit's hard and I'll never get it and it'll never change. No, it's that's not the truth. The truth is you simply have to be willing to look. You have to be willing and open and ready to be mirrored, to have someone hold that space for you in such a way that you can hear it just like when Cindy read me a little piece of um, something. I don't want to say what, because again, I want to protect her and her family members' confidentiality. But when she read that to me, I paused and I said, Cindy, I hate to tell you this, hon, but that's actually pretty passive aggressive. And she just was so shocked. And, And so the shock is not a bad thing. The shock is like, well, okay, now I'm aware of this. It's kind of like if I go to the doctor and I have a tummy ache and then the doctor says to me, there's a problem in your tummy and we need to fix it. I could be just as shocked. Like, what do you mean? I thought it was just something I ate. Nope. There's this problem. We have to do surgery. We have to fix it. We have to look at it more seriously. It's kind of a a big problem. Oh, okay. We're shocked by COVID-19 and what it's created globally for us. We're shocked that in, you know, what I'm doing this recording is, you know, near the end of September of 2020. And by the time you hear this episode, it'll be somewhere in mid-October. Well, I don't think much is going to have changed in the next few weeks before you hear this episode. As far as globally, what's happening from COVID-19 Many kids are still not in school and they're still distance learning at home and online. Some people are gathering together for different functions. Some people aren't. There's spikes that are still happening. There's, you know, decreases that are happening. Like more things are available on the shelves and stores and things like that. But there are still still so many things that we are limited in doing. And in a lot of ways, it's still kind of a shock because it's still so uncertain and unknown. And part of taming the passive aggressive beast is that there is still a lot there too that is unknown and uncertain and can also then create a lot of worry, right? If I speak my truth, will this person hear me the way it's intended or will they get so mad at me and be so hurt or upset with me that they'll refuse to ever talk to me again. You know what? I don't want to take that risk. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep the peace. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to confront anybody about it. I'm just going to shut up. But what happens inside is I feel an overwhelming sense of frustration and anger that builds and builds and builds until ultimately it explodes. Something happens that creates the explosion. And then people look at us and and go like, wow, why the hell do you get so mad about that? Aren't you overreacting? Oh my God, you're being dramatic. God, I just love it when people say stuff like that, right? You're overreacting. 
You're being dramatic. Do you really seriously think that most of us are purposely wanting to be dramatic? I don't believe from a personal or a professional level that there is such a thing as overreacting. Because as soon as I say you are overreacting, what I'm really saying is I'm judging your reaction as being too much or too little of something. And in the case of overreacting, I'm saying it's too much. There, you are, you are reacting too much right now to this situation in this scenario. Yet that's judgmental. And what I'm doing, if I were to say that, is I'm basically denying what you're feeling. I'm basically saying by saying that and judging you for it, that it's not okay for you to feel what you feel. But it's always 100% okay for you to feel what you feel. The difference is, how do you choose to respond to that reaction that you're having? That intense reaction that you're having, how do you then use the tools and skills that are in your toolbox to choose to respond, which is choice, to it in such a way that actual communication and dialogue can be fostered, as opposed to just ah, kind of you know reacting and throwing stuff out there and being over the top and over the edge, and all you're doing then is potentially setting the stage for other people to put their walls up in defense because they have no idea why you're reacting the way you reacted. They're like, what? All I did was say that I was going to put the dishes over here. What are you getting so freaking upset about? Why are you getting so mad? Jesus. But we know why we're mad. We may be mad about the fact that they want to put the dishes over here when I ask them to put it over there. But maybe because what I'm really feeling is triggered by the fact that this person is doing their own thing and not willing to listen to me. Oh, okay. So see, then a good question to ask is, when else in my life have I not felt listened to or heard? When else in my life have I not had my voice or been allowed to use my voice? Or when I did use my voice, it was dismissed or judged or criticized or made fun of or heard or not heard, laughed at. Again, the list is endless. And so part of taming the passive-aggressive beast is checking in with yourself as to where you're not being authentically you. Where are you not using your voice? And then take a look at some of the memories that are associated with that, just like Cindy had. She had a memory in fourth grade and she had a memory in fifth grade. The one where her teacher literally picked a young boy up who was acting really kind of, you know, wild and stuff. And he literally picked him up by the scruff of the neck and the seat of the pants and he carried him out the door. She had never seen her teacher that angry before. And seeing that, witnessing that scared her in really kind of ever wanting to do anything that might create an angry reaction of that level in someone else. So she'd keep pushing it down. And then in fifth grade, when she got those beautiful boots and was so proud of them and picked out her outfits to them and just loved them and wore them to school, and all these kids wrote a note and made fun of her for it. 
who do you think you are? You think you're all that in a bag of chips? Well, they didn't say that back then because the phrasing, that's more common in the more modern times. And, you know, we're from the older generation in our 50s where, you know, that wasn't really said like that. But that was basically the gist of it. And she felt so horrible and so humiliated, so embarrassed that it it caused her to not feel it was okay to show up and present as herself, to wear what she wants to wear, to be who she is, to act like she wants, to speak how she wants, all of it. It tamed that, it kind of quelled that desire in her, but really her heart's voice was still wanting to do that, but she wasn't acting on it. And so how it would come out is those sneaky little subtle passive aggressive ways that would come out as sarcasm sometimes, that would come out as little barbs that that she'd throw out there. And as other people picked up on that and commented on how she's being so passive aggressive because she couldn't see it at the time, it would just raise her defensive level. It would raise her wall. And it wasn't because she really couldn't see what the other person was saying. That's part of it. It's that she wasn't ready to see it because when she's ready, that means she then has to look at herself and the parts of herself that are causing her to behave like that. So another way that you can tame the passive aggressive beast is take a look at your life more recently, let's say, and even over time and ask yourself, have you ever been told you're being very passive aggressive? Have you ever been told that you're overreacting? Have you ever been told that that how you're behaving it just seems so out of alignment and out of character? Are there things that you're saying that other people often get super defensive about? Doesn't matter. Like you're saying it to this person and that person and the other person, and all three of those people are also being defensive with you. Sometimes then there's a commonality in the things we're saying and doing if we keep getting the same reaction from multiple other people. And it's checking in with yourself and asking, where are your hurts and your angers and your frustrations that you haven't spoken about or that you've been too afraid to confront? The truth is, working on yourself is all about asking yourself questions. And why? Because if we don't ask ourselves questions and we're not looking within at, at kind of the underlying things that are causing us to say and do the things we say and do, then what we're doing is we're staying in the victim mindset that says it's because all this other stuff happened out here. And don't get me wrong, bad shit happens to good people. I'm a six-time sexual assault survivor. I was a beautiful kid, happy-go-lucky, trusting, loving, compassionate, and I still am. And I had those six instances where someone felt it was okay to work to take my power away from me and to assault my physical body. Yes, shitty things happen. And sometimes we can be raised in environments that are horrible. The parents don't care. They're abusive. They're neglectful. They're torturous. Yes, things happen. 
And at the same time, we always have a choice, especially as an adult now, of how we want and choose to move through our world. And so by asking yourself questions, I promise you, you're not going to find out that you're really, in fact, some horrible, evil, serial killer, killing kind of person who has been faking it all these years and and disguised as a caring, loving human being. The chances are really, really high that you are an amazing, loving, beautiful soul who has gone through some experiences that made you feel it wasn't okay to have your voice and to speak your truth. And how you can begin to do that is by asking yourself questions. And if you should find that you're struggling with that, reach out to someone, a friend, a family member, a coach, a therapist, a stranger, I don't care who, me. You know, I will say that every single episode. I'm not pitching you to work with me. I'm saying you don't have to live from this space of pain and passive aggressivity and betrayal and hurt and sadness and depression and anxiety. You don't have to live from these places of feeling like the victim. You may have been a victim, just like I was a victim. And I learned how to survive and thrive through that to where now I'm simply an experiencer of it. I am one who experienced these things. It is no longer defining me in any way, shape, or form. And so when you look at those beautiful pieces about yourself that maybe weren't so pleasant and fun to look at, that were kind of painful, you can give them a lot of love and realize that you did the best you could with what you had at the time, and now you're making a different choice. And in making that different choice, you now have Regain the power within yourself to no longer need to wear the cloak of passive aggressiveness, and you can speak your truth more freely, even if you're sometimes scared to and unsure how to. But you absolutely have to reach out to others if you are struggling with doing this for yourself, because we are not on this planet alone, and we do need others sometimes to hold that mirror for us and reflect it back in such a way that we can see the reflection in the mirror and recognize how beautiful that reflection is, even if it seems pretty scary. So reach out to anyone that might help you, anyone who's in whose presence you feel safe with, in whose wisdom you trust, and someone that you know really has your back. And even if that's a therapist or a coach, part of our jobs as a therapist and coach and why we do what we do overall is because we genuinely care about other people having the tools and skills in their toolbox that they need to live the life they're meant to live. As I'll say every week, you are a spiritual badass. And you can navigate this human experience in a way that as scary as it seems sometimes and as disjointed as the path may appear to be sometimes, you can navigate that path in a way that uplifts you and empowers you and inspires you and motivates you 
to always be striving to be the best and highest version of you, even if that means sometimes you're facing the fact that, wow, today I didn't act in the best and highest way. Okay, why not? Oh, I was scared of this, or I was afraid of that, or I had this thought. Cool. Okay, now I know. Now I can move on. And the next time I'm confronted with that, I just might be able to make a different decision. So go forth, be the spiritually expressed human badass that you were meant to be. Know that I'm always here for you. Reach out if you need to by reaching out to me at susandesenzi.com and just clicking on the contact me link or tab on the website. Fill out the little form. Tell me what's going on for you and I'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours usually. Be you. I believe in you. The world needs you. And go be the spiritually expressed badass that's your birthright. I love you so much. Thank you for being here week after week. I'll see you next week. Have an awesome week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option, getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.